Called it loon shit. It's just that freaking greasy top layer on those northern roads. But I froze my bag off. Like I had every piece of clothes on inside my Catch me howling at the moon. Try to 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 catch me howling at the moon. Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to Come Out Heavy Podcast. Uh, Kurt and I are sitting here again kind of mid between hunts like springs a little bit away and we're trying to plan our years out and hey if you're liking what we're doing like if you've been into our show and, and you're enjoying that we keep this going you know give us a like give us a subscribe check us out on youtube now we got a, a new youtube page we got one video out there and yeah follow along with us uh i'll pass it over to kurt here fuck these new Phelps calls showed up in the mail last week. I haven't been able to put them down, man. They sound so fucking good. Like this, yeah, it's not even a plug. They really sound that fucking good. Like, so anyways, how's it going, guys? Uh, welcome back to the show. Yeah, today is just going to be Devin and I bullshitting. We've got lots to kind of go over what's going on in the province, the LEH systems and the flaws built within them. You know, prepping right now is kind of when guys, if you do that big hunt a year, you kind of, you should be starting to prep for it right now and kind of figure out where you're going. And so we're going to kind of break down all that, kind of how we do things today. And uh, yeah, hopefully you guys pick up something or if you, if there's something that you like to do that we don't mention, fucking hit us up, let us know because there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah. And kind of follow up on last episode it was a, a great talk with well actually who knows when we released this one but uh the john proctor episode we talked about uh, bc wildlife federation updating us on the northeast region seven problems with what the government was trying to do and kind of just to quick update everyone if you're not following the bc wildlife federation or you don't stay up to date with they jesse zeman typically launches a video every week um i just started subscribing to bc wildlife federation on youtube so i recommend doing that it's a nice way to to stay up to date but if you didn't catch his really latest release he touches on what the government i think they're going to respond to either our concerns or what we're doing or they're going to have an update on the situation now what that actually means i don't know but so keep an eye out for that it was supposed to happen you know last week or early this week coming up so just a quick you know heads up look out for that but continue to reach out to your your uh, elected officials your mlas send your letters in that seems to still be the the message we need to get out there so if you're not up to date on this what we're talking about here head back to episode 30 and you know listen to the first 15 20 minutes of that one and, and we go over what that's all about yeah i i hope the government gets their head out of their asses like 
you know, they're not fixing the ultimate problem. And especially if they're the ones that fucked up, they're just handing something that doesn't belong to them away. So hopefully this gets sorted out where all sides come out even. I mean, that's probably never going to happen. Government's going to do whatever political uh, way they're going to sway or their agenda. That's what's going to fly. And if they got to grease a palm to get there, they don't care what palm they step on. So anyways, hopefully things work out. Who knows, man? It's like kicking a dead dog talking about the fucking government. So it's who knows. Yeah, well, I mean, that's pretty much our update on that. It's just uh, something to keep an eye out for. We'll keep you guys updated. I, I tend to try to make sure I'm following this stuff. If we're talking about it, I'm trying to stay up to date on it. So, you know, hopefully this uh, reaches out and, and everyone stays on the same path and, and we get something done. But it, who knows? I, I really have no sense. I don't think there's a lot of sense of, of what the government's going to do. If they're even, you know acting to the response from the hunters and the outdoorsmen's like i haven't heard anything on that i haven't there's no no consensus whether anything's being handled that way so it'll be interesting to see what their update is yeah it's and i, I follow a couple of mlas on social media and there is a, a couple of them that are posting about what you know what the ndp is doing and you know kind of getting their perspective out and it's you know it's one that aligns with us and everyone's different i get that but that Mike Morris, Morris, I think, he's posting quite a bit, and he's the only one that I've seen that's actually standing up to the BC provincial government. And you know, hopefully, there's a more MLAs that get on the same fucking page because that's the only way anything's gonna change. And a lot of those guys, like guy, or guys and girls, you know, they get that position, and some might just cruise through there. With however, what do they? How long do they get elected for? Is it a four-year uh, term too, or is it? I think it is four I, years. Isn't yeah, it? I couldn't tell you on that one. I don't know when the provincial. I think it depends. Sometimes yeah. it gets called early, but I think it's four. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like a lot of these people in politics they they get them spots and they kind of cruise through the next fucking four to eight years, collect their pension and get out without really fucking doing anything. So, hopefully, there's some new blood getting in there that's got a loud voice and you know advocates for the not just the hunting community, but the outdoor recreation community, kind of everyone, right? Because we're definitely a minority in the province. So what do you do? Yeah. Well, and Kurt mentioned earlier, this episode is going to be on kind of hunt planning, which kind of ties into e-scouting. Maybe we'll chatter about some trail cam setups and kind of what we do there. But kind of the first one on the list that, you know, if you're you're thinking about hunts right now you're probably on the same page as me and kurt you know you're talking to your partners you're trying to figure out what to do uh you either have your plan figured out or you're you know working through your plans and a lot of things that come into that is leh you know kurt and i don't have a dedicated sheep hunt plan this year so we don't have that hunt to just be focusing on we're kind of in between thoughts we're you know, if we pull a bighorn draw, 100%, we're going sheep hunting. If we pull a caribou draw for north, we're probably going to do that. So it's, it's a lot of it's going to be based on that. And we probably won't pull a draw knowing the LEH system. But it's funny. It's a weird thought for us this year. We had two years of straight sheep planning. And we'll go over kind of what we did with that. 
uh, I'm just like in between. I don't know if I'm elk hunting for two weeks. I don't know if I'm, you know, what, what are you thinking right now? Uh, same thing. Um, it's, it's shitty that we got to wait for the LEHs. Like you got to, what you got to have them in before May long, but you don't get them till fucking July. June. Is, yeah, it, June 20th, is it June? A lot of times. Yeah. June 20th. So, you know, if you like even last year, right? Like, or last two years, I got a caribou draw, but we were going sheep hunting and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. We have this plan. I'm not changing areas, not changing everything just to be able to hunt caribou too. So that went out the window. Be nice to get these fucking draw results in like January, put them in January 1st, find out end of February. It would give plenty of time for anyone to do their hunts. Um, so yeah, basically with us, it's, it's kind of nice, like down with you that, if we got no no LEHs, no plans, I can blow down there for a week and we can go fucking backpack for elk, right? Which is, it's kind of a good little ace in the in the sleeve. Is that, yeah. is that the saying? I mean, that can work. Ace up the sleeve. So, yeah, ace you know, de- <laughs> Yeah, depending on what you get for holidays and whatnot. I know you always like to book a week sometime in, in hunting season to, to chase something. So that's always good to have in the back pocket. LEH, like the way the caribou shit's going, I kind of feel I've heard coming down the pipe that it ain't going to be around for much longer. So that that's probably one of my number one priorities is to try to get. I mean, you've got a caribou already, but that's something on my. I've had two draws and I never went because I got other draws at the same time. So it's kind of shitty. Other than that, man, I don't know. Like maybe a northern moose hunt probably not this year but we'll see but i don't know like going down where you're at and chasing elk is those are some of the best fucking hunts i've ever had so yeah and we haven't done it for a few years too that's the other thing you know we got so cheap well not cheap crazy but you know we went one year successful and then knew there were sheep in there and wanted to do it again and everything lined up with that we had the time we had the time off It, it seemed to work the wives gave us the card, the, the hall pass to go again two years in yeah. a row. So, you know, we burn those those passes. We got to kind of earn them again. Yeah, we got to build them points back up. Yeah. But I felt like after the first, like when I got my RAM, I felt like it was unfinished business. Like we needed to go in and get year RAM. And, you know, we seen that RAM and thinking about that RAM in the back valley for an entire year was the driving force to get us back out there. You got year RAM this year and it, it kind of, for me, it's kind of a check in the box. Like, I, yeah. I'm definitely going to go back sheep hunting again, but, you know, that's not something I want to do every single year. I mean, I would love to go every single year. It's just whether it's a guy's got time or whatever for it, right? So. Well, and there's other hunts, like you said, too. Like, uh, elk hunting such a... We've talked about it how much on here, and it's such a passion. Like, I've never upset if we say, let's go 10-day elk hunt in the companies. Let's pick some spots and and have like three or four different little holes to get in and out of. Uh, am I going to be upset with that? Ah, fuck no. That's like fuck. what dr- drove us into mountain hunting together. You know, like that's what kind of started that like drive. Like, yes, you sheep hunting was part of it always in the back, but I swear elk hunting is what made us like buy more gear and, and set ourselves up to go mountain hunting. hundred percent. Like, yeah, you look at the shit that we started elk hunting with backpacking, like, you know, I had pot, like we said, pots and pans and a bunch of stupid shit strung to the outside of the backpacks. Like it's definitely fueled the fire for getting deeper. And then I, I look at the bowl in your background there and that just gives me chills. Like, 
<laughs> you know, the bulls that we've seen and heard but never got, you know, where we go. It's kind of good. We got Peshki in there. He's calling all the little tiny ones, so leaving the big ones for us, which is good. <laughs> He'll like that. Yeah. Um, uh, before we move on to like uh, selecting hunts and that kind of stuff, I wanted to touch on that the LEH a little bit more. Like I don't have a lot of a sense here, and, and if any listeners are out there and you have someone that could inform better or know exactly how all these policies work, you know, we talk about moving the draw dates up. I think it's a little bit um, more complicated than just saying we'll move them up. Because what I've heard is that you know. They're waiting for the biologist numbers. They're waiting for the counts, which makes sense, right? You're waiting for all that data to be put in. But so what does that actually mean? You know, do the biologists need more time? Do they need what we talk about all the time, more funding? Probably. Like if yeah. our funding model, like think about that. So then I thought about that, like Idaho, Montana, all these guys that we follow, they're getting their draw results in January. Well, they also have the number one funding platforms in all of North America, you know, it's got to be directly related to that, that they have the proper funding. They have the proper wildlife management people in place where BC doesn't. So it always falls. It's another thing that we're just not considering. We've just accepted it over the years because it's always been May. But yeah. why can't it be February? Why can't it be March? Because they don't give a fuck. It's the same thing in my mind. So like who knows how to move this up? Is that going to, can we get LEHs to be handled better and so we can prep our year if we get these elected officials and these platforms that we've been talking about yeah i i agree with you man it's it's kind of dumb and especially but even is dumber is that everything's electronic now right yeah it's quicker so than ever. it's got to be in it's it's a fucking it's a lottery system it's not you know there's no fucking counting points involved in this it's everyone's fucking name goes in a hat and the computer fucking picks them out. So how the fuck do you got to wait a month for that? Right? It should be like, okay, due date is May 24th. Like, even give them a week. You know, like fucking June 1st, spit them out. You know, I don't know. It just, it should be the next day, really. Yeah, and you know, you think about like when we say like hunters as a whole are a minority when our voice is being heard. Well, then you think about the minority of hunters like inside of the hunting minority like us where there's a lot of us passionate mountain hunters that are trying to plan these big northern hunts or these sheep hunts or these things but there's more that just go deer hunting and just go moose hunting so it doesn't really matter to them as much and that's fair you know you think about that like i think it's like the number one issue yeah <laughs> but i only talk to people like us you know what i mean like when do i talk about hunting i'm talking with sheep hunters i'm talking with backpack hunters like that's what what we're talking about all the time so you got to think our little voice is probably not as big as we think in the hunting world even yeah well it's like every time we go camp in maylong everyone's like do you get your draws in do you get your draws in what'd you put in for what what area what time right and it's exciting man but waiting that another fucking month and a bit to get your results sucks so it i don't know like every even, even moose hunters around here man everyone's waiting for the fucking draw results and you know when it's getting close to that time because people start buzzing you're like are results out yet and then you know like garrick's usually one of the guys that's on the ball where he'll text me he's like leh's are out and you're like fucking right so you're trying to log in on your phone <laughs> yeah. and yeah. you know get the old nil nothing fucking every year you're like you just slam your phone down like it sucks so 
Although the worst year was when Garrick signed into mine and he texted me. He's like, LEH is out. You didn't get anything. I'm like, fuck you, man. Yeah, didn't even get the <laughs> yeah. didn't get the fucking satisfaction of losing yourself. Yeah, I'm like, oh, you bastard. But, <laughs> so. Anyways, yeah, if you guys know anyone that is in touch with that system or knows a lot about how that works, you know, tell them to hit us up. Let us know and we'll, we'll talk about it. But right now we're just kind of waiting. We're in lingo. So what are we, you know, we, we talked about, we went on... Uh, Everyone knows if you're listening to this, we've gone on back-to-back stone sheep hunts to two seasons in a row, right in the August time, and and we wanted to talk kind of what what that looks for us. We we kind of selected, you know, we e scout for like most people for most of our hunts, but it's it matters more in my mind for these northern or just comp- I guess I shouldn't say just northern. If you're thinking about coming to the Kootenays and you've never been here, and that's like a you're leaving from Kamloops, wherever, Caribou, you know, lower mainland, e-scouting this time of year is probably the best thing you can do to start getting a handle on your plan because you're only going to have so many days and you want to, we always looked at it as like we want to take advantage of every day. You know, you had those 10 days for sheep. So Kurt and I would start, you know, fat maps. Obviously, we, we sat down for hours just sending each other pins or like getting on that and and saying like check out this spot or what do you think about here and it kind of started with with you know we got kind of lucky kurt got up there for a moose hunt and kind of found some areas that he wanted to check out so you had a little bit of a lay of the land which goes a long way but if you didn't i think you would we would still use that same e-scouting platform where we just kind of really start honing in on areas and and asking like you you reached out to a bio isn't that right yep yep so how did that process go and like what how did he guide you into like it helped with your e-scouting like where to start really looking because you told me like look for these types of you know little areas and things well like i reached out to a buddy and i you know he can't tell me where to fucking go like yeah exactly go right here go right there right so i had a general area took a screenshot drew a big fucking circle around i'm like you know what do you think about this area and then another area, what do you think about this area? And he's like, well, that area's got lots of critters in it. That area, not so much. So I got to, and that's not just sheep, that's critters. That's fucking everything, right? So like he he didn't really give any secrets away, that's for sure. And it's not a fucking secret spot. There's a billion people going there every fucking year. But I had gone up that valley once, you know, with a younger buddy of mine and gone moose hunting. And I seen sheep. I seen lambs and ewes right from the fucking trail. So I kind of knew I'm like, okay, well, I seen seen ewes on this hill. I seen caribou on the top, like in the alpine. So I just kept a you know, mental diary of it because I didn't have fat maps or anything back then. And just, okay, well, I know if there's sheep there, if there's ewes there, there's going to be fucking rams somewhere. Like there's so many little mountains and valleys, there's going to be a pocket of rams. So I kind of had a little bit to go from, but as for boots on the ground we didn't fucking hike like we drove up there turned around and drove back so you know it's basically just picking spots like this looks sheepy you know when you see like a nice grassy bowl you're like that looks fucking sheepy like if you see some craggy rocks you're like that looks goaty you see some swamps you're like that looks moosey right it's just it it's general where these animals seem to to hang out so that's kind of where we started and then you know, Devin and I we started with like just logging into my fat maps and then we could drop pins and we could break it down together. And then he would go on one night 
and drop 10 pins and then oh yeah we we did it for camp spots with all the different filters you can get you know flat areas we've talked about a million times if you listen to any other episodes about fat maps but that we broke down our entire fucking hunt based on e-scouting and like you know in the alpine it's pretty easy to for fat maps or any mapping platform to get it pretty close because there's no trees you get in thick timber it's pretty hard like you're not going to be able to pick those benches out or anything like that but for sheep country it worked pretty fucking good so yeah we had our camp spots glassing spots all pinned out like in potentially a glassing spot where you can sit down see down the valley see different mountains and yeah we didn't know until you get there but it gives you this kind of stuff i find just gives you a little bit of sense of like well you kind of know what you're gonna do you kind of have a plan it's like a very loose itinerary like kurt said with the camping spots uh to kind of elaborate on that and and how fat maps works or a lot of these apps but especially fat maps i mean that's the one we used the filters and layers you can put on one was flats so they have a layer called flats and you activate it and it shows all the little green dots and we're talking down to like 10 meter wide flat spots like that's pretty small when you think about gps like 30 feet by 30 feet like that's tiny in the mountains like that but they'll show it so we even dropped pins like where we thought there might be water close like a spring or green like fat maps is detailed enough in some of those alpine areas where you'll see you know some brighter greens and you got to get in that mind like once you're up there and then you come back you really notice it more i find like once we went and came back it was like oh okay that's what that is that's a spring like you i've seen where we've got water in the alpine and if i didn't know we got water there i would never consider that i would think it was just some lusher ground and you're like whatever but that's how detailed like if for guys who are maybe going on their first you know alpine and they're trying to scout this and trying to find water because i think that's like a big one right you hear it on a lot of we've heard it on our podcast you've heard i've heard it on a lot of other bc podcasts that go on these mountain hunts and they ran out of water and they couldn't find it well we tried to even do that you know it was like potential water pretend like there's a pond you can see the dark sludgy looking ponds in the alpine it's like okay pond because sometimes you got to plan your days out like that where you're going to be like well we'll have water to this point then we're going to camp here we probably have enough water there we might be able to get to this shitty little looking pond and hopefully it's not dried up so that flat layer was like really it would be in between saddles like you'd be like on like a almost a knife ridge and all of a sudden a green dot would show up and you could be like oh that's a good spot to glass or sit or maybe set a tent up in a pinch so you know that's kind of what we're talking about there and i think it it made a it made a difference it, it's obviously not set in stone but it, it sure helped us navigate probably with a little more confidence in an unknown area yeah and like the the spot where we had pinned for a tent like it, it wasn't fucking perfectly flat nothing's perfectly fucking flat but it's good enough and when you're tired man you can sleep on a 45 it doesn't really matter so but it definitely helped and that we broke our entire hunt down like for the routes we wanted to take we we even used it for river crossings we didn't we didn't have to get that far the river Um, crossings was interesting i think that one was cool like we don't know if even know if it was going to work but what kurt and i did there was like we were like oh we might want to cross this smaller river if we're not finding sheep on this side of it, maybe we want to go to the other side of it. And it was, I don't know, we probably had half a dozen spots that we concluded from aerial imagery that looked shallow, looked yeah. ripply. You know, we didn't know. We've never been to that river. Yeah, you could see like kind of the, like where the rocks kind of come out. Yeah, like 
who knows you get there it could be fucking 10 feet deep you don't know it and it could rain for a week before you go there and everything be up high or it could be drought so you it's a good way to start don't bet the bank on it but it's definitely a, a good way to plan your trip and your routes and for never putting foot boots on the ground in that area yeah and i find you can i mean you got to spend time on it you can't just do like one night like work like you know i did it i know where i'm going i put a pin down like it takes a while and then you just kind of think about it and you the cool thing about fab maps was the 3d views so kurt and i would drop pins and then we'd kurt would say like hey i dropped a pin here go 3d view it because look how much you can see and it just gave you that sense of like what those peaks were like and we also use the other uh really good layer feature was gradient we use that a lot and going using it early on it'll show you so gradient will show you different colors of angles of slope so you're always looking for the greens was the one thing like the mountains are typically over 15 degrees or whatever and they can be upwards to 45 and you want to stay away from the 45 so we would use it as like oh this might be a good access ridge you can find green ridges that run right in between like red which was 45 so it sure makes a big deal you hear about that a lot actually where guys picked a spot they're like oh we'll get up and into the alpine day one and i've seen videos on youtube and bc i've seen like a lot of this stuff where they get there and 12 hours later they're halfway up the mountain they're not even out of the timber and no fault of their own but that landscape was way worse off than they thought because they didn't maybe they looked at a topo map and they're like oh well didn't even look at the lines or they were just looking at you know one google earth imagery and it was like oh yeah we'll just go through here we'll just follow the valley well if you threw that gradient on you might have been like holy fuck like that's steep you keep hitting steep bench after steep bench like you don't want to go there so kurt and i would use that not just for getting out of the bush but mainly to you know kind of pick the easy like, fuck we're not we're not greg McHale's of the world we're picking easy routes let's be honest or yeah. easier easier well if like when we packed my ram out we basically skimmed between two rock cliffs because there was and it was yellow it wasn't green it was still steep but we picked our way through and you could see where we stayed in the trees below us was rocks above us was rocks and we just buzzed inside this little bowl onto a hog's back fuck we shaved probably two hours of shit hiking off just from using that gradient so it's and like everyone knows once you're in the alpine fuck you can cruise so if you can pick stick to your green and yellow spots in the alpine man it's just like walking down a fucking road like yeah it's you can you can ridge run pretty fucking easily so something you know, worth trying yeah, and that and you'll use like you said, using that in the alpine when you're trying to make ground. Like only use it when you're like trying to make another spot. If you see sheep and you're gonna want like when we wanted to go kill, don't fucking pick the easy route. Like let's no. be clear. We're not like putting the gradient on when we see a ram we wanna go after. At that point, it's all out the window. You're like, what's the best way to get closer to that ram? Yeah. It, to play the wind and it doesn't matter what the fuck you're going through. Like, when we went after mine, we scaled that fucking, it was past the red. It was steep as fuck. We we're holding on to willows, kind of rimming it, get on this little ridge. You know, one slip, you're going long ways down. But it worked out. You, but the wind is everything, man. So if you're using it to travel, great. But when you're in that kill zone, fuck, it doesn't matter what gradient you're going through. 
you just play the wind right and get into shooting range as fast as you can. Yeah. So without getting yeah, seen. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the hard, other hard part. But that's kind of like what we, I don't know, we found like, I, I'm pretty sure most guys are like me and Kurt. If you're planning a, a mountain hunt, you're going to be talking for months every week, probably. And that's what we did the, before the podcast was even a thing where we talked lots about this. It was just, I don't know, I think it was like a confidence boost, you no? Know? Like just to get on the same page and try to have the same thoughts. And, and one guy would say, hey, check out this spot. What do you think here? And then the other guy would be like, I don't know, that seems a little like far. Like I don't think we can make that on day two. Like I even planned the routes out on on the one app, I think for this last year, where we actually, you know, drew our trails. Like, okay, day one to here. If we don't see anything, we had day two, could we get to this glassing knob and glass all of those spots? And then day three, we had the next one. And then day four potentially was, okay, now we're like, we don't even know if these are real. Day one could turn into day two and three, but at least it gave us these like potential options. So, Yeah, and it was relatively pretty close, especially yeah. when we first went up. Like that's that was your first sheep hunt. So you've never really been in alpine like that like sheep country is different like where you're at it's way steeper not so much like them long rolling alpine hills right so to pick someone new up there it gave devin a pretty good visualization of what he's going to expect when you're up there and it's pretty fucking bang on yeah yeah it was really good and i mean kind of on the same topic i had you know e-scouting for elk kind of on the the thing too we use it for elk as well it's uh I always forget that I live in like a cheat code where I can just go like walk in the same country I'm scouting. And I kind of forget that not everyone's doing that, you know, and we have, we live in that, that area where it is our backyard. So, but we still use uh, fat maps in the same sense. We're dropping pins, you know, hoping that this is a spot we should go check out. And the one thing when we talk about layers for elk, and different filters and fat maps we really look at we'll throw on like a north facing layer in those warm september early september a lot of times we'll throw on that and then it'll just give us an idea it's not always, like we said that none of this stuff is perfect elk can be on south facing slopes too but in those hot if you're really trying to find elk we found that identifying deep timber north facing at a certain elevation and you can do all of that which is pretty neat in fat maps where you can put on like a filter of gradient between an elevation and you can put on only north facing well now you get like minus like less than 25 degrees so you're looking for benches and now you're saying like facing and you also get an elevation one it's pretty wild you can put like a green strip all i shouldn't even be giving this out because it's like a, a cheat code for finding out i won't tell you the numbers exactly but <laughs> you know you can figure it out we have a number that we like to use down here and peshki like we already mentioned him on here he's really good at he tells me like put this on and this i think this is really good and it it's really interesting it'll stripe right across areas we've hunted which is good you're like okay yeah that this is a true number so um something that we use here i don't know if, if you've ever kind of dabbled with those that far of customization i've used it for the sheep for sure like but the sheep was the opposite it was like the southwest facing slopes where they're going to be sunning themselves but yeah for elk was like the east northeast slopes where they're going to go bed down during a hot day and it's it's fucking pretty money right like yeah. anytime we hit them spots that's where all the beds were so it's yeah there's lots of little tricks of the trade to use that fucking that app for and 
<clears throat> yeah, I don't I know what just, more we can say it can, about it. It's... Yeah, it can just go a long way. Like if guys are wondering how how we approach e-scouting, it's like I feel like it goes a long way if you're going to try something new more than anything. If you're going to try a new area and a new style of hunt, you have to e-scout. If you're not e-scouting, you're just putting yourself behind the eight ball. Yeah, and that's like I've I've listened to lots of podcasts about guys with Google Earth Pro and how you can get these overlapping. I I tried doing it, I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, fuck it, this and I don't know. We keep it's fucking we keep hyping fat maps, but there is other other systems out there that use the same. But fat maps just it's simple. There's people that have been using it for years that don't they don't even understand the the overlayers, like. So just dabble around with it, especially now. It's fucking February. There's nothing going on. Up here, there's still fucked minus fucking 20, I think, today. It was plus five two days ago. It's just ridiculous. I'm sick of this shit. So <laughs> now's the time where you, you're sitting in the house. You got nothing to do, man. Just dabble with it and play around with the filters. Go to your favorite hunting spot where you know and then put lay your filters on, and you can be like, fuck, that's right. Like That is a nice little flat spot that you never knew was there, but you walked there one day and found it. It, it, for wallows elk wallows is money because you can wallows fucking follow those areas. flats yeah. yeah i hit the flats or or sometimes you know like the, as most people know the west kootenays doesn't have a lot of flats so you got to maybe turn the filter up a little bit to like zero to 15 degrees because they're not a lot of zeros <laughs> yeah but when we got into fucking raspy's hole that day like we walked in a spot we never walked before and fuck it was just bench after bench after bench yeah and you you look at that hillside from a kilometer away and it looks steep as fuck and you're like oh like that's just cliff straight down to the valley bottom but now you get in there and it's just granite fucking benches and just wallows and rubs the whole fucking way right like it's something you never would know was there unless you put boots on the ground did yeah. this fat maps pick up those little benches yeah, it's pretty good. Like it, uh, if you put flats on and you pay enough attention to the little green, it it'll show it. Little yeah. strip, eh? Yeah. Yeah, I mean it does. Like the one we walked in our in our one spot, like we always walk along and around to Raspy's Hole. Yeah. I don't know if that one comes up as a flat, but if you put the right gradient on, you'll uh, you'll pull it, and you'll you gotta start like that's a really good point that Kurt said is like if you already have areas, so say you've it doesn't even have to be elk but just in general like you know areas that hold you know big deer or elk or whatever sheep too like yeah go to there start playing with filters and layering until it starts highlighting those key spots and then you're like oh yeah okay and then you can use those filters because you always want to find that's a big thing with e-scouting for me is like even though i have spots i want to find more spots i want to have a half dozen elk spots that i can run into hike into do whatever because any year like last year was a prime example the drought and everything pushed elk into different holes and that was really clear last year that like they weren't as hot and horny in the areas that we normally found them in and i think the drought and that fires and everything had a lot to do with it so now it's like nah yeah i heard bugles yeah we chased elk but i want to chase more and i want to have that consistency and, and just have those options so yeah and that's i found that with deer a lot of times you set up a good setup or a spot and you get in there in the morning and the wind is wrong and then you're like well there's absolutely zero point walking in there because anything that's there is going to get blown out so definitely having more options is is better for any animal you're hunting moose elk deer doesn't matter the wind of the wind trumps everything so 
get multiple areas. Well, and that kind of ties into yeah, ties into the next thing, like finding new honey holes, you know. And I'm not even talking about finding new honey holes, like the whole area, but like scouting season, like going into the same areas. Like, how long have we hiked into what we call our honey hole that we've been in for years and found another spot? And you yep. found another bench, and you and you thought you knew it, and you'd like. And usually the bulls are what took us to these spots, obviously, because they like them. But all of a sudden, we thought we were in the spot, and then all of a sudden, they pulled us into another spot. And you're like, holy fuck, I didn't even know this was here. Like, it's so benchy and weird landscape sometimes that just getting out there and, you know, it kind of ties into this next kind of segment thing that's like scouting is trail cams, trail maintenance, scouting. This is what we do down here in the mountains because we kind of have to. But when you get in there... Yeah, go check out a spot. You know, use the Fat Maps app while you're out hiking and put the flats layer on. Go look at the flats for elk for sure. Like that's what I would suggest to do is like go find it and do it in hunting season in between, you know, midday madness and the early morning. If you're kind of figuring out you're waiting for the evening, we had that a lot where we'd wait for the evening to pick up and you want to do something instead i mean a lot of guys don't like to sit around that long so if you want to do something you might have enough energy to go find go look at that flat you know just go check it out you might find rubs you might find a wallow you might find a whole nother area but yeah it kind of goes a long a long way i find i mean this year i'm going to try to get up as many cams as i can I've, i've always put up one or two but I think this year we're really, I really enjoyed, you know, the footage we picked up the last couple of years. And it, it used to play a big thing. Like, you know, some guys will ask me, like, why do you spend so much time? Like, what's the point? Like, have you ever killed a bull you saw on your camera? And I think my answer to that is no. Like, I don't think I have killed a bull on my camera. But we've killed bulls because the camera told us there was bulls in the area. Yeah. And... It's just that, like, knowing, like, if you're going to backpack in a few kilometers to go check a spot that you don't have a camera in, <laughs> I mean, it seems kind of silly if you can afford you, it and you can do it. If if you're going in, you're going in blind. Like, even when Devin and I, when I first, I've been using, oops, using game cameras for years, like, um, you know, setting up deer baits and tree stands and shit like that, trail maintenance. Like, I've been doing that for fuck since I was 20. So, you know, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to go buy a fucking thousand dollar game camera. You can go, I started with a bunch of cheap Tascos that were like $40 from Wholesale Sports, right? Throw them out there. If someone steals them, well, it's you're not crying about it. Someone steals your $800 trail camera, you're going to be fucking mad. But that's that's exactly what it is. When we started poking up, like your little ridge there dev like you didn't have any cameras up there and then the next year after we chased bulls into that wallow where we both killed our bulls you started throwing cameras up there right and then we the next year we go a little bit deeper well then we found a bunch of more wallows so then you put another camera in there like it's it's a trek to go retrieve your camera especially down there for me i can fucking go check my camera in 20 minutes if i really want one of my cameras for 20 minutes it's it's not hard. You got like a three hour hike into some of those spots. But like you said, like what you guys did last year where you did some trail maintenance, it's, I, I like that because it makes, it creates game trails and the animals use it and it's well, easier it's, to get in and out. But I was going to ask you that, like we're thinking about doing that even more this year. So like we cut our trail in for our access and they're using it too. Like the one area was super blown down and we cut it through. 
that's just going to help them. And it was their trail originally. Yeah. So this year we're thinking about going from the one spot, the wallow, up and over the ridge and, and towards Raspies because that's been, like you can't even get through. It would be hard for animals to get through. We had to crawl around through shit. So I, Oh, it's a nightmare, I, man. I think it'll make a difference as far as them, you know, using those travel corridors, looking for cows, you know, bedding, food, feed is probably a big thing. Being able to travel easier at night to feed and, and do those things. Yeah, it has to an- make a difference. Animals will take the easiest route every time. Like that's why in the sheep mountains, you take the sheep trails. Those are usually the best routes to get anywhere. Elk trails, moose trails, like they're, they'll weave their way around the blowdown. But if you can go in there and open up some of that blowdown on an original trail, they'll go back to using the easiest route. And if you make a two foot wide trail through the blowdown, they're going to use it. I've seen it with deer. I've seen it with moose, elk, you name it. Like it's, but that I've done it with, you do the maintenance, you cut a trail out and like the, the area around here that I was doing for elk back in the day, I cut the trail out, you know, we crossed the swamp, it was all willows, so I bucked that nice and wide, get in there, put a camera, hung a tree stand, go in the last day of the year, tree stand's gone. Someone fucking followed my boot tracks, and it was like probably a good two and a half kilometers walk in, right? Like, it wasn't right off the road. Someone followed my boots, walked in there, and yanked my fucking gorilla stand out, which I was a little bit pissed. So now... Now I started putting two cameras up, one facing the fucking the blind or one facing the tree stand and then the other one facing I like throwing salt out. I don't know some areas you can't put salt, yeah, I think, we in BC. Can't do it but, down here, but it uh, everywhere else you can, I think. I I'm a thousand percent believer in salt piles. The and it it's good for anything. You get deer, moose, elk, and once it's in the ground, the first years I could keep dropping my pen. Um, the first years that I found is never good. Like they'll, they'll come to it. But once that salt dissipates into the ground, that's when it's the best. And it's like two years after. And if you top that up once a year, you don't got to have it full to the brim every single year. I've had one bait I used to use. I haven't put salt in that thing for six years and the deer and elk have dug it down. It's, it started with the size of a cobalt block, which is probably what 10 inches by 10 inches yeah. something like that yeah i've dug that like an inch into the ground just so it would stay put in front of the camera well fuck that that hole now is probably four feet wide and at least four feet in the ground and that was just like, from one of those i well I, I did it one year and then when that was in the ground like they they hammered that you know when the rain hits it that's when it seeps into the ground and then i went back and i put um water softening salt in it the next year and I did that twice that year and they, they kind of liked it. But then I had a fucking, I got a, I was trying to post a video the other day. I got a fucking, uh, Martin was coming in there and he was pissing and shitting on my salt pile. I've got, I've got him on video on my phone. I've got to figure out how to post it. But, um, yeah, like, and so I'm sitting, I, I got him on camera doing this and there's little tiny shits right on top of my salt. And then the one day I was sitting in my tree stand and he comes out and he's rooting around in there. He sees me, he climbs right up the fucking tree and he's like, he's right beside me on my tree stand fucking looking at me. <laughs> I'm like, I'll see if I could post the video well, somehow. I think I remember that. Yeah, you, you had the, I think you it, sent me the one of the him coming up the tree at you. Yeah, it, it's on my, my personal Instagram, but I'll oh, see if I can get it, it to, to post it on the, the come out page because it's fucking hilarious. Like, 
I could have reached out and grabbed him, man. Like he was right beside me looking at me. What the fuck are you doing up in this tree? But it, it works, man. And as you know, every year it gets, gets better. Once they find it, they just, it seems like you keep getting them come back. And for deer hunting, like the, the bucks move around so much, especially in the rut that it it's hard to target not hard to target but it's hard to you're never going to keep bucks around unless you got your resident ones that are there in the summer but if you can keep the does and fawns coming back that's what brings the bucks in so you keep them does coming in all year they feel safe you can set up a blind set it up in the spring they know what's there they're not scared of it and then that's when november when those bucks start cruising that's when they come in and they if the does are comfortable the bucks aren't moving they're going to hang out so just an option for for if people are thinking about do it as soon as the snow is gone, start opening that up. If you if you go cut your trail in in September, it, you're going to be fucked. There's going to be nothing around there. Yeah. yeah, it's too late. And you know it goes into that prep. You get it gives you gives you confidence to go in, like we've talked about. So if the elk are quiet, like I always go back to elk hunting because that's basically what I'm setting my cams up for. I don't set them up for deer. I've been straight elk down here, and if they're quiet, but you have a bull. Like we on that camera the week before you're going in hunting and then they're quiet. You still know he's probably in there. It's just a matter of being patient, you know, kind of staying the course. If you're getting those animals on camera, it's nice. Cause you're like, Oh fuck, they're here. Like they're not gone. They're just being quiet today or I'm, they're just not hearing us or, or whatever. So it kind of goes a long way there. And it just goes into like, it gives you something to go do, you know, just hiking in the bush in like the thick bush where elk usually are isn't exactly the the funnest hike or the most scenic you don't get all that you know nice views and stuff a lot of times so at least you put like a a pot of gold at the end of the trail and and it's the anticipation of like heading in there to check your cam i love it like fucking love it nothing's worse than when you get to your tree cam or uh, your trail camera and you didn't turn the power button on Oh fuck! <laughs> You're like, no, fuck. A month. It's, it's been in there like, for a yeah. month. <laughs> Hundred and fifty photos of fucking twigs and and yeah. things, and I guess that's like another topic to touch on. And, and we're not the like expert trail cam guys, but we've made the mistakes. We've been doing it for a lot of years, and I I like to really cut down all the branches that I know will move. Even like long shoots of grass that stand up, I try to tear them out. Um, I've heard of the you want to face it. I think with the sun behind it so kind of north facing i believe so that it doesn't get like sun glare stuff like that but then i found shadows are interesting so i got one set where i put it on a tree and because there wasn't a lot like a lot of mountains or anything around it the shadow would come around from the tree and trigger the camera like just the shadow yeah i because i couldn't figure out why i was taking so many photos and i'm like because there's no no twigs nothing and you know it could be birds and squirrels you just can't see them but I swear it's the shadowing. So there was like these tall, really branchless like larch and the shadow would sweep around throughout the day. And I think it was triggering the camera like once every, you know, hour. That That's hilarious. So, but, yeah, but just the simple things. I mean, height of height and placement, I think, was one that was a huge learning curve because um, you read a lot. And you know what? Like a lot of the stuff you read comes from the whitetail communities in the States because those guys are trail cams are big with whitetail hunting down there and they say to set him at like three feet well you're hunting bull elk his fucking nose isn't even at three feet so i think you got to really take into account on like what animal you're trying to capture 
and and distance away too. Like if you got a if you put them right there, you're gonna get a bunch of body pictures, and that's it. If you put them back, say 15, 20 feet, and then you you kind of get more of a wide span, then you can actually see the whole animal. I've had that where you get a bunch of fucking elk on the camera, but all you see is their fur, and they're right there, right, and they're walking by. You might see a flash of an antler, yeah. you know, at the most. So, but height is another good one too. I know some guys that put them way up in the tree facing down and like that's good because no one's gonna you're never gonna be looking up i've seen lots of game cameras in the bush right and they're always kind of chest to eye level but if you put them up a little bit higher people aren't going to notice them and you know you are getting a down picture which is could be good i don't know and i've also seen them right at the base of the tree it i don't know the base of the tree well if you're on a hill yeah if you're on a hill i don't know it's just I've seen I've seen them in the bush down there. I don't know what they were thinking, but I, I find like the my most consistent height is basically my chin for catching elk. I kind of when I walk up to my cam, it's like somewhere in my mouth, chin, upper, like just shoulders. It depends, like you said, landscape. Like if it's pretty flat, that works. Like, but you got to keep in mind of where they're gonna be standing. But like where I get them in the wallow, um, where I had the big bull. Well, most of our good cam footage but that one that i had last year of our of the bull i was chasing that was that's that one it's always like right at the chin and it yeah. seems to work and i don't fuck with it i put it on the same spot every year it's gotten some great footage i don't fuck with that one but uh you know these new spots it's, it's a lot to consider when you're gonna set a new cam that there's a lot like distance trees which way you're putting it it's actually funny how much you can fuck yourself in all that time that you hoped you were getting good footage and then you walk in, like you said, and it's just shit. Yeah, 100%. Or there's a, a branch that you didn't see, and when the wind blows, it dangles in front of your camera, and you got 400 pictures, and you're like, oh, this is going to be amazing. And it's the same little fucking spruce bough that's just dangling in front of your camera the whole time. So definitely take your time and kind of limb everything back. The grass is another big one too. Rose bushes, anything that'll fucking shake in the wind. Yeah, that's kind of what, what we do and what we found works to get pictures. And um, it kind of ties into what else we do for a bit of prep and planning. And, you know, Kurt and I, we obviously don't uh, promote being like super fit for mountain hunting. Like that's not, we, we want to be in good shape, obviously, but a lifestyle, it just never gets us into that like, you know, high fitness category. But I've found now over the years, like you can go to, I like going to the, you know, working out and going to the gym like most people, but if you don't have time to do it, your number one thing I've, I like that helps me is just straight up. And most guys will say this is like when you put your backpack on and actually hike in the mountains, like get on a hill, get on off a trail. That uneven shit is like where I, you know, breathe the hardest and notice that it's actually, you know, doing the exactly what I want it to do and yeah. putting up ties into putting up cameras you know use the same thing put a little bit of weight in your back if you're allowed to put salt out carry some salt you know train yourself or just put a, put your gear in you know this is going to tie into like how gear ties into not what gear but what you do with your gear in your preseason work that's what i find i like to do to be comfortable but carry your gear Find your, the way your backpack works. It's going to help you get in better shape, but it's also going to like, oh, I hated where I had that spotting scope. Like I tried to take it out and it was a pain in the ass. Or like, where do you put 
your rain gear like that that's the one that i always have on my, i always want my rain gear easy to get at so i'm always trying to like plan where i put that and maybe i think about it more in depth than i should but it's it's part of my the process it's part of that preparation yeah it's it's a good motivation to go for a hike with a backpack when you go want to go check your cameras and usually like when we were training for the sheep hunt like i wasn't training i was walking from the house with my backpack loaded up you'd go walk ak you know i wasn't hiking no fucking mountains or anything but there's a couple of decent hills we'd go up and down but you know i had 50 pounds in my backpack you go check your cameras whatever if like i you know i was prepping my my bait so i was hauling you know my grain and shit in too so you want you want to practice packing meat throw a fucking bag of water softening salt in your fucking backpack that is it it's just like packing a fucking quarter out you know Fuck, you could put it right in your load two bags too. that's actually a good yep. point like when we talk about preparation it i swear every one of us has bought a backpack a mountain backpack whether it's and you some people i guess are more prepared but i kind of doubt it the majority is probably in the same boat you bought a doesn't matter kafaru stone glacier kuyu any of these packs and they all have the load shelf and no one figures out how their load shelf works until it's time to put 75 pound elk quarter on the fucking load shelf and then it's just a battle and you're pissed off because this isn't working and i don't like the way it's sitting and fucking all this so that's like wicked water softener bag of salt if you even if you can't if you're just thinking like training like uh we had a guy like reach out little shout out uh, i think it was name was bob stetcher yeah troy stetcher's Mm -hmm. older brother which is pretty cool hockey player little shout out there he reached out to us on instagram you know he i think he pulled the spatizzi leh draw and, and he's in training you know i don't know how much this guy mountain hunts we've never really talked to him but you know good for you but if you're listening to this try it let us know what it's like you know throw kurt's suggestion like water softener because it's just that dead loose weight it's like a game bag full of meat which is, i've never even thought of that but that'd be wicked yeah it'll it'll sag and hang just like a bag full of meat so that's a good option some guys will throw one of those five gallon uh big water jugs in too because you're it's always kind of sloshed and back and forth yeah. but that that you know everyone knows what it's like a bag full of fucking dead weight meat that's hard to tie tight it's always sagging it'll slip you know a, a water softener bag or i don't know what else you would a, a sandbag maybe sand do. lots of guys like sand yeah they'll yeah. you know that's one thing i've seen where they'll take uh like a dry bag like a fairly big like 40 liter or more dry bag type thing mm-hmm. and fill it with sand and it's same thing it's but put it in your load shelf like that'd be my suggestion yeah. like this goes right into like gear prep where we talk about like put your gear through some of the paces of like exactly so you find out what you don't like about it and what you do like about it like try your shoulder straps in a different configuration the next time you know tighten this tighten your straps differently you know they always talk about getting that v shape in your load sling trying to get the bottom to suck in more well i found that sometimes if you did that too much it would roll your hip belt you know like your hip belt would get into a weird roll you want to find those things out before you get what kurt and i have experienced which is like chafing after packing meat out on your hip belts like you get a little bit too much rubbing because you got pressure the wrong way or the big one was i was actually running slings on my bag when you engage the load slings i had the wrong configuration of that and you know what i went back to kuyu's videos and figured it out but i should have already known that if i can suggest something to guys like if you're gonna try backpack hunting or or mountain hunting and and you're gonna pack something out 
don't just just because you bought what you thought was the best bag they're all great fuck man use it It, it'll probably save you you know especially if you're doing those multi-days or you're going to go back in like a lot of these guys that are traveling for an elk hunt they they might come here hunt kill something on day two pack it out take it to the freezer go back in do another hunt with a buddy try to get him his bull well, if you're already chafed up or your backpack's been rubbing you after that first one day pack, that's going to fuck you for like the rest of your hunt. So that's what I we mean, did when we got my bull. Yeah. We went up, killed it on the morning of day one, packed it out, spent the day, day and a half in town. We left camp and everything up there and then went back in for another two days. So, and I was fucking chafed up. That was the first time I actually packed. Was that? Yeah, that was yeah, what, we three or four years ago. On that one too. Yeah. yeah, we went. We did one trip out, yeah, with all the meat and the fucking head. Like it wasn't a monster bull by no means, but that was fucking heavy. And I blame was some, Paul. I blame Paul Medell for that one. Uh, we'll, we'll have yeah, to get him on the pod and tell listening him. to yeah. him all summer. Oh, we just make one trip out. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. we can Paul do that. Said they do it in one trip. Well, we tried it. Uh, I don't know if I'd do it again. We'll see. It's, <laughs> it's doable, but it fucking it sucked, man. Like fighting it especially you know the west kootenai shit where it's thick and steep like packing that meat and then having the rack on top like less hooking on everything dragging on the rocks it was so steep that i had to climb backwards down the fucking bank right like it just by the time we got back to the quad i had a fucking raw spot probably the size of a mini pizza on my lower back yeah, and that, I don't think that was because the pack was shit. I think it was just because we didn't. It was a lot of weight, and there's ways to configure it better. Like, yeah, definitely how your shoulder straps sit, but you you can't put it on with twenty pounds at home. Stand in the mirror because I do this sometimes. I go look in the mirror just to see how it's sitting. Like I want to see how my load straps are sitting. I go look. I kind of twist around, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm good to go. It, fuck that you gotta put some weight in it you gotta get it bad you gotta go out on a hike where you know you're just gonna come back to the truck in an hour and be like that fucking sucked so pack something heavy and loose and see how yeah. suck like that'll that's a really good thing i mean i i should even do that i mean i know how my pack rides now because i've fucked up so it doesn't matter but now but it'd still be good maybe there's a different way to configure your straps on your load that's the other thing like how are you gonna know that when you're doing it in the heat of the moment you know you're trying to get out and you're already tired or you do it when you're fresh so you can see um, how you would handle things. You know, strap a Euro. If you have a European mount elk rack that's not up on your wall and it's kind of just hanging out or even just a skull cap, just throw it on. Learn how to do that. Or if you know a buddy, if you've never done it and you've never packed out an elk antler on your back, it fucking sucks. Like usually, and especially in the West Kootenays, where the angles are always steep and one tip typically drags against shit or you're going to be catching blowdown, that's actually something you could throw on. Like see how it hangs because it's hard to strap it and it's hard to get it to sit a lot of times. And if you're just fumble fucking it, you're just going to get frustrated and then you're not going to do it right. And I've we've been there. I've done it wrong. And I'm just saying like this is the preparation that probably go a long way into making your hunt and your pack out more enjoyable. Yeah, nothing's worse than when you got one side's way too fucking heavy packing shitty meat out. Because you just, you're, everything's on that one hip the whole time and you're trying to swing it back over. And, you know, if you've done it, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. It's, it's, and you'll, you'll probably end up throwing your hips out a little bit too because you're just torquing one side of your body so bad. But yeah, get out and do it. Nothing, 
you can lift all the weights you fucking want and go for marathon runs but if you don't have your loaded backpack on training that aspect you're gonna fucking struggle when you actually get something and you gotta haul it out and i and i like to take the same principle into like kind of only a few main items of the gear that really matter but backpacks definitely one and then i like having my binos on i always carry my harness it doesn't even matter i just i like having it on i get used to where i put stuff Uh, i get really comfortable with flipping it out maybe the tripod comes with me and i like to always kind of know how all the i got a new like i've talked about on the uh, previous show you know i got a new pan head for my tripod i'm I'm running the siru siru yeah siru va5 and there's a lot of new configurations and settings and and levers and all this you know this just to dial in your tensions and how the pan head rod works and that's simple stuff but i don't want to be fumbling with it when i really want to look at a goat or pick up an elk on a hillside or something like that's i want to just know like how that stuff works so i bring it with me and i and play with it i you know i set it up differently i try different things and and put it on my pack differently like i found the way i like it now but it's taken a while to like know exactly how i want to offset it with my rifle and like all that stuff and that goes a long way where my rangefinder sits when i'm doing archery i always like having it in a certain spot but that took years to figure out exactly where i could you know access it shoot range and drop it like i have that kuyu pouch i think you run the kuyu pouch too and that little lanyard i literally know that i can like rip it out range and let it go like i don't have to put it back in i was watching a guy the other day on an elk hunting video and he was ranging putting it back in ranging putting it back in like and i'm like fuck i would drive if there was a bull coming in and i just wanted to and i knew i had time to get a quick range knowing that i could like set it down and just let it hang because i've done it and i've drawn my bow with it and it doesn't get caught so they seem like really simple little things but i honestly encourage to just put your gear on and try it when you go for hikes you go for walks with the family you're you know walking the dog it's just those simple things i find it takes my mind away from worrying about where my gear's sitting on my bag how stuff's hanging and then you also find noises that's actually a funny thing that you know you don't really talk about i don't know if you've experienced it but i'll do stuff try it and then be like what the fuck is rattling like what's clicking like yeah and then you got to change it that was one thing the the first gen of kuyu backpacks were squeakers everyone that had one like my first one same thing man when it's loaded every step squeak 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 and like mine doesn't do it anymore like the new one i don't think yours does but i know mine doesn't Peshkis did when he got his last year yeah yeah i know when i that first one i had was like a six thousand fucking long time ago and yeah it fucking squeaked man and after 10 hours it drive you fucking mental so (laughs) yeah like you said just put your backpack on move your gear around see everything sits and i liked before our sheep hunt like i did probably two weeks before i had everything in my backpack going walking and you see where you lay like how you want to lay your stuff out you're with all your food throw water in everything right see how high it's going to sit above your head if you got to strap anything on just don't just throw it together and then load it the day you're leaving to go in the mountains because that's never going to fucking work good. No. And, you know, I think it goes without saying another preparation that most guys do. I just wanted to touch on it again was just shooting, shooting your guns and, and what that means and, and what that meant to Kurt and I's success on our last two successful sheep hunts. So it meant everything. It was that final difference 
between Ospians twice. And this isn't an exaggeration, and this isn't about how good of shooters Kurt and I were. We were just very confident at the ranges that we got to. So both of our sheep, Kurt shot his right around 500 yards. Mine was 450. So right, but we practiced at that 500 to 600 yard range enough. And I know for me, like Kurt can, you know, say his own side of it. This is definitely for me. I knew because of Kurt being successful the year before and seeing that terrain for the first time that I needed to get better. I, I've always been able to shoot, but I wasn't like, yeah, give me a yardage. I'll hit it type shooter. Cause I, I didn't practice enough. I could shoot, but I was like, Oh, I'll wing one out there and I'd hit a rock or I'd hit a stump. And I'm like, Oh sweet. But I re- like religiously took my gong out. I set it up and I'd shoot it once a week, every weekend I was going out and I would only take like three or four shots. I mean, you're shooting a non muzzle break, 300 short mag or a 300 wind mag. Like you're, you're going to flinch or do bad shots after three or four anyways. So it's just a matter of being really good with those three or four. And I'd pick different ranges Every time I went out, I'd do like a 450, I'd do a 515, I'd do like a 650, and I'd just play with it. And every time I missed, I typically knew I pulled the shot. I didn't execute it, but once I figured out that true execution, what I was comfortable with, laying prone with my bipod, man, it made all the difference. When we got this last year to 450 yards, when we we didn't know how close we were going to get, and when we hit 450, I was just like... It wasn't even a thought. Like it didn't even cross my mind that I wasn't gonna be able to make that shot. Yeah, that's the same as me, man. Like I knew if we got within five hundred yards, that thing's dead. Like on my ram and your ram, same thing. Like I was shooting five five forty, I think, is the gong here, and like it's like first couple of shots, clink still, okay, I'm good. Straight up to the sheep, boom, 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 bing, 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 hit it every time. Like you're. You got to be confident, and I know you were last year, the two years ago. I knew um, as soon as we got within five hundred yards, I'm like, this thing is fucking dead. There's, it, you know, having that confidence in your gun and your shooting ability goes a long way. Well, it goes a long way to the fact that both of our rams, we didn't have another option. I thought no. about that. There yeah. was zero other option. We were not sneaking up underneath these rams. We weren't finding a closer knob. There was nothing. The two, there was a valley below us on both shooting knobs and it made the difference. And if you're thinking about going on a sheep hunt or you've been unsuccessful on hunts, just think about that. And I know long range shooting is a big topic. Like a lot of guys are into it and we're not experts on it, but just getting your confidence to, or knowing your range too, knowing your yardage confidence. Like that'd be the other one. So maybe you can't get out to five, 600 yards, but if you can get out to, you know, three, if three and 350 become your range, well, you might, that might make the difference too. And then you're not spooking them. Like, that'd be the other thing. Think about that. Like if we, if we weren't confident that we could shoot from those distances, we might've tried to get closer and blow on the hunt. Yep. Absolutely. So, so yeah. yeah, it went, it went a long way. I mean, I, I can't say much more on it, but I thought I'd touch on it, that it, it was a big difference maker in, in those, us being successful. Yeah. Um, and I think the kind of the last topic with kind of this preparation talk is like, hold honestly, on, hold on. like before we move what, on, yeah, um, shooting your bow with your bino harness on, yeah, I, I, fuck, I do it all the time and I hate it. Like I always clip my fucking. Oh really? Yeah. Did you change your stance at all or? 
I don't know. Every time I do it, like, and my Kuyu one's not big. Like, I don't have, yeah. you got mega binos. I got little ones. Well, and I, I wear, just, where I usually wear my little ones when I'm archery. But yeah, yeah. I, I also practice with the Swaros too. But yeah, I just find it's, I'm all, it's always in the fucking way. Lots of times I'll just take it off. Like, all the time, I usually take it off. We'll see. If, if you're in a maybe pinch, like, I've, I've shot deer. Maybe it's because it your belly's bigger than mine. It sticks out a little bit more. That could be it. Yeah. It's resting. Yeah. yeah. That's probably it. You're right. <laughs> but, but you know, I you're right, though. To like, it's another good point. If, if you know, most guys listening to this podcast have probably understood this and they might have turned turned us off by now and be like i fucking know everything these guys are talking about but if you if you're still listening along which i hope you are because i think it's been a, a great talk so far i mean shooting your bow with your fucking hunting gear on i think it goes without saying i just some some stuff you forget to talk about but that's a good point like bino harness archery and slash everything there is like i i throw my backpack on yeah i do that every year um because i I'm not the well, you know. I don't take my backpack off. Like we made that rule a long time ago. It like you don't put it, take it off in the backcountry. You probably can at certain points. I'm not saying like I always wear it, but when we're like stalking elk and you're moving and you're always on the go, my backpack stays on. Like, yeah, I'm at that point, so I'll shoot the bow with the backpack on. Make sure the string isn't clipping anything. So yeah, I haven't had it clip my bino harness yet, but I I do watch every year. I don't. Cause like you said, yeah, you're, that's an interesting point. You got a little fatter over the off season and you're heading into archery Turkey and the old Christmas gut or the winter guts hanging out might be pushing the bino harness into the string. (laughs) (laughs) I also fucking for tree stand hunters. Like I like sitting in a tree stand too and shooting your fucking bow from a tree stand is tricky. It's you think, Oh yeah, I'll get up there. And then if you ever drawn back on something looking down, like, if you, my old bow was a really long axle axle bow and it was fucking terrible. My new one's pretty short. My first bow was short and it was not bad, but I went to that bow tech for a little bit and that thing was huge. And you're trying to fucking like canter down looking at something, man. And like either your bottom axles or your uh, cam is like hitting something or there's branches in the way. So that's another thing. Practice from like, usually got to stand up, but practice on a tree stand if that's what you're going to be hunting. Because that's tough to do, even in a blind. I've had it before, set my blind up there. With a gun, it's easy, but with a bow shooting out of a blind. my I had this tiny little cheap blind on sale from Cabela's, and I started with that one. I got in there, fuck, my bow was hitting the, the ceiling. I'm like, well, this isn't going to fucking work. I basically had to get down on my hands and knees and try to shoot my bow that way. So just try to use all your gear before you go out there and have a buck of a lifetime walk by and you go to draw your bow back and you can't get it drawn back inside your blind or you can't get an, a good shot out of your tree stand use all your gear and when i th- i've kind of forgot i wasn't i forgot to mention and on that topic is elk calls like we're big elk hunters fucking use them play with them all year like you heard kurt already on it that's because even though we know how to call with them we're always play- i want to be more confident with my calls every year even if you're already confident like you know what that sound's gonna come out don't start calling september 1st no (laughs) do it do it now like our kurt and i've been for years been whenever you're on a road trip and you're in the truck by yourself throw your elk calls in that's like practice you're bugling in your truck and it's funny we've we've always done it i know lots of our buddies do it i've always heard of guys and if you're thinking about going elk hunting and you're thinking about getting new calls and you really want to try out reeds well die if you're learning diaphragms you need to be doing it all day in the truck 
Yep. Yeah. Like you need to be doing it if you're starting to learn them. But <laughs> um, what's today? Monday. It's a Saturday. So my buddy Daryl came by and uh, I gave him my old bugle. He lives just behind me, right? So he come over and I was showing him the new Phelps calls that showed up and we're playing around with them and. So Saturday morning, I can't remember we were leaving the house, and I was outside, and I ripped a couple of bugles from the back deck, and <laughs> not even knowing he was out there, right? And then within 30 <laughs> seconds, I hear, so then I just start ripping them back and forth. He texts me right away. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, it's February right now. Just wait till, like, July, August. And then there's three hunters in a row on the backside of my house, and there's a house in the middle. I'm like, that lady in the middle is just going to go crazy because I guarantee you come September, we're going to be ripping them back and forth all day long. So that was pretty funny. But he's a new guy to, you know, to, to reads too. And I give him a, a couple ones I had bought brand new from last year. And I said, just throw them in your truck, man. Like he drives to Prince George every day. It's like, just practice, throw on a podcast or sit in front of you. Like you learned from YouTube lots back in the day and lots. they'll show you how to do it. And once... Once you get the hang of it, it's pretty easy. So, fucking keep packing them to work, Daryl. <laughs> Darehole. Yeah, and I think kind of the last topic I wanted to touch on was like a little bit of like mental preparation this time of year and going into hunts. And I do it, and this isn't what everyone does, but what I mean by that is like right now I've been stewing on things that happened last year, and it's about losing and it's about being competitive but my mental game now is like i wasn't tough enough like i didn't there was situations where i could have pushed harder or done something different and it was from elk hunting to goat hunting right like so i wasn't successful elk hunting myself and it wasn't that i could have done one thing and it would have just made a difference but maybe i could have done more and that's what's always sitting in my mind so like i'm prepping myself this year for like am i gonna go light and bivy more am i gonna push even farther outside my comfort zone to find things if i don't have a part one thing for me is if like i don't have a partner to go backcountry with i a lot of times don't push as hard yeah i really i really don't and i can be honest with that i know my flaws i need to get out of my comfort zone sometimes if you know like you're not down or peshki's busy you know there's no reason to not go in the same area i would if i had a partner with me so yeah well especially where you're at like that's some fucking gnarly thick country loaded with grizzly bears too like i get it like it's nice having that guy there and you know having a calling partner too fucking goes a long way for elk setup so yeah i get it man but the other one i was looking at and it was uh matt had the goat draw last year and we kind of got snowed out a little bit earlier than we thought but the weekend before we did manage to snowshoe into the glassing spot didn't find the goats it was a a, quite a hike breaking trail but we had the trail broken and when i think back on it i sh probably shouldn't take these leh draws you know the way the government's doing things i shouldn't take them for granted and i really need to start taking advantage of like doing everything you could to, to fill the tag or at least get out there and one yep. thing we could have done he had two more weekends left yeah it was a long snowshoe on the road like we snowshoed the road for a couple kilometers before we got to the trail that we were planning on getting into the country well pesci has a, a tp with a stove setup you know i thought about that now that we probably should have packed it in the next weekend we probably should have made that plan you know there was a way to do it 
and we didn't give up, but we just, it's late in the season. And, but now in February is when I think about those things. And it's like, I, I kind of wish I would have done that. Like, I wish that would have been the last hunt I did instead of thinking about the last one was like one hard hike in and then I just kind of stopped. So yeah, it's a bit of a mental thing. Like, what am I willing to do this year? Think about it now and, and prep yourself. And is it worth it? Or, or are they the right calls? Who knows? But I already, I'm already in that zone of like, what am I doing to my gear setup or what am I doing to my strategy that will increase the chances for success this year? Yep. Yep. For sure, man. That's yeah. I didn't get out as much as I wanted to last year. So this year is going to be tough too with a young one on the way. So yeah, I don't know. It's well, you're just going to have to, you know, make the best of the, anytime you get out, I guess is like, if you think you're going to have limited time, like last year you didn't get out as much this year or is this for anyone and you're not you think oh well life's getting busy kurt's got a, a new one on the way and and obviously it's going to get busy for you well whenever you get out and you have that day you just have to really commit and just give it all you had in that one moment i guess like that's a big one yeah definitely yeah i i'm guilty there's times where you you're like ah oh, fuck okay i'll go quick and then you're like ah do i really want to walk all the way in there for like an hour and then it's going to be dark maybe i'll just stay close to the road or walk down the road like you know like the bull that i killed two years ago i was by myself and it was i hiked in he was a long ways away and i was running out of time i fucking said fuck it i'm going to him and i just fucking ran through the bush across the swamp got in his fucking grill and i got a shot away if i didn't do that that bull's walking so that that situation exactly is the one that i probably like do wrong the most yeah evening bombing trips where i'm like ah, oh, it's gonna be dark in like 45 minutes i'm not going away from the truck i'll just stay on the road and bugle i do that all the time i'm fucking guilty of that and i shouldn't there's probably many times that you could have gotten to like a bugle fest in those dying things of light if you just would have said fuck it i'm gonna hike out in the dark but those go back to like being by yourself and like do i really want to hike out of the west kootenai backcountry in the dark yeah probably have to start doing it you know to make sure i get even more i don't know those are hard things but that's my meant like my mental game i have to uh like you have to teach your mind to let you do it for sure like i have to be like no you're doing it 100 percent. yeah it's i, I mean fuck 99 of the time you'd be absolutely fine it's just I don't know, like where I killed mine in that back of that swamp, a dude went in there to put trail cams up last spring. They never found him again. Search and rescue was in there looking for him. They never found his body. Found a cell phone and his vehicle. And where I packed my elk out, I walked all through there this year, and there's every fucking 50 yards, there's search and rescue ribbon gridded right out in that whole fucking area. Like, And I've ran into some big grizzly bears in there, but... You know, it's if you want to be a hunter, those are some of the the hardships you're going to come across. There's always going to be predators. There's always going to be weather. There's always going to be other hunters, right? It's I don't know if it was easy, everyone would do it. Yeah, everyone would get an elk every year if it was easy. Yeah, I mean that's what makes it fucking addicting though too, is because it's not easy, and yeah. not everyone. We're not always successful, like not getting my bull last year or not i shouldn't even say my bull but i call it my bull because it was the one i just was set on like that big bull that i had on, and we saw him the year before like 
if he's back on camera this year, it might fuck my whole season up because it's just like gonna make me only hunt there again. <laughs> well, he'll be your your bull until I come down there, and then he's my bull. <laughs> yeah, Pesh- Peshki's getting uninvited. He's staying home that week. Oh, he said he'd call him in. Yeah. <laughs> he, he already told me that. He's good. Yeah. He's good for it. <laughs> uh, well. I mean, before we end the, the show today, I, I think we're talking gear and stuff. We, we haven't mentioned, you know, checking out Frontiersmen. So if uh, you guys are thinking about getting, you know, prepped up for season, obviously check out Frontiersman gear. And he's got some I've seen recently. He's been launching some, like, uh, leather, uh, kind of lighter weight leather slings, it looks like, too. So, like, really nice leather work coming out. It looks like the new shop's running. His custom blades are starting to go again. So... Yeah, we always have good things to say about Tanner over at Frontiersman. Check him out, Instagram, like, follow, all that jazz. And still running the Come Out Heavy promo code. So, you know, use COH at checkout and get, what did Kurt say last time? Knock some shekels off or something? <laughs> yeah, knock some shekels off the price. Something yeah. like that. Something yeah, stupid. give us a shout out. And, you know, if you ever want, reach out to Tanner and say you heard a... Heard a about him from the come out heavy podcast that uh only helps our relationship with tanner you know it's it's good and says we're doing something right out here and yeah give us a like subscribe a follow let us know how we're doing if you enjoyed this episode and you thought it was had some good content you know let us know but also give us some feedback on what you guys are doing for hunt prep that kind of stuff like is any of this stuff relatable and like kurt said earlier are we missing out on things that could help us be successful other than that, I thought it was a, a good show, Kurt, and uh, fucking ready to get after it. Yeah, I'm already starting to make plans for the fall, so it's it's good, man. I'm excited. Hopefully get these LEHs out and, yeah, plan from there. All right, we out. I came from the mud, desert on my Catch me howling at the moon